Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Amen. Thank you, Darren. It's good to know that uh, if power ever goes out, I'm having him preach because I don't know if I could do that. How are we doing tonight? All right, that's good. You guys always are louder than even like tomorrow morning when there's a lot more people, and I always insult them over that. So keep going. So that's good. Um, so I, I have here with me my not so great, but we'll call it a throne. All right, a throne of, this is your throne on your life, right? And um, the question is, are you sitting in it? So some, some you know, um, have over the years said, what's the deal with all the object lessons and, you know, theater? Can't, you know, what are we, the youth group, Pastor Jamie? Like just, uh, just preach the word, you know? And uh, I never get offended at that because I'm so confident because I usually I answer and I say, you know, um, uh, if God did huge object lessons to teach us, I think it's okay for me to do it, right? And, and in fact, tonight, as we're in our faith series, maybe... You know, I'm sure there's others that will compete, but maybe the greatest object lesson that God ever gave us, right, was this one, the parting of the Red Sea, because that was not necessary, meaning there could have been a way around it, but God specifically had his people in camp in front of this to wait on Pharaoh's armies because he wanted to show the world that he is the Lord. And so this has been over, uh, I think it's 25 times-ish um, in the Old Testament, this story is mentioned. It's an object lesson. Constantly remember, remember. And the Hebrews writer, who is trying to encourage a church, right on through the generations of Christian churches, right to this one, remember that he is the Lord. And so the question becomes, because when we're, when we're really worried and we're awake at night and I don't know, it means we've done it again, right? I've done this one with you before. We're getting on the throne of our own life. And we understand better than anyone, we are not the Lord. And that's why we worry, because I don't have control, right? But we so badly want to get back on, because especially when we face circumstances in life where God is calling us to obedience, and it looks confusing, dark, impossible even, like we're going to see. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe there isn't a God, or can I really trust God? And so then we get back on the throne. And so the whole idea that the Hebrews writer is trying to teach us is make sure you get off of the throne of your life. Trust God on it. He is the Lord who did this. Let's pray. Father, we, we do thank you for your word. I pray we would bring our confession to you that whatever we brought in here tonight, every single one of us has things we wish we hadn't done, probably even today, things we've thought, things we've said, um, and we feel unworthy or we feel distant from you. So Lord, I pray that we might know the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ, that we might approach your throne, not ours, yours, of grace and, and by your blood shed for us, that we might plead your forgiveness, and so that even as we look together at your word, this reminder, this great object lesson, that we would leave here saying, I don't want to be on the throne of my life. I want you, Lord, because you are the Lord. And so every person here, that right now by your Holy Spirit, 
might feel touched and know you love them. You've made them in your image. You want so much more for our lives than what we do when we get on our own throne. And so, Lord, we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so uh, we've been going through this series. I think most of you have been here at least uh, recently, but if not, it's um, Hebrews chapter 11, and we've been just taking, that's called the Faith Hall of Fame, right? And that, that writer was writing in the first century to, to Christians very early on, and, and they were uh, men and women of faith, right? But they, but they were shrinking back. They weren't meeting together. They were frustrated. They were like, is this really worth it? Because they were being persecuted, thrown in jail. They'd known Christians that had been killed and tortured. And, and they were just like, is this even true? And they were giving up and they were losing hope. And, and so all of these, these uh, so far, Genesis written now into Exodus, these examples he's given is so that they don't grow weary. Right? And, and so we, we last left Moses and God's people, and we had the death of the firstborn and the last plague, and, and by faith they sprinkled the blood. Right? So now they're going to escape Egypt. And, and so the Hebrews uh, writer says it this way, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So a different. So we're going to talk about God's great miracle, but the example of faith is God's weary slaves from Egypt who just kind of took one step uh, at a time on dry land through the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are the opposite. They're faithless, and they're judged by the Red Sea, right? And so I want us, um, we'll put it on the screen, um, I want us to spend our time looking at that event, and that's in Exodus chapter 14. If you do have your Bibles, Exodus 14. And, and while you do that, um, I, I, there's something that I, I, I really, really, really want us to hear before we, we look at the story together. Because this can get really messed up. Um, it, it's sometimes taught in a certain way that I want to make sure you're not hearing me say something that I'm not saying, Right? Okay, so, and it's this, that this is about faith to do what God says. He's the one that's going to say, go across the Red Sea. He's the one that's going to say, it's faith to do what God says. In other words, the Red Sea is not some impossible task that Jamie desperately wants in his life, and if he has enough faith, God will do it. That is not what this is. There is times where God does not heal, he does not grant the job, he does not do those things because his will and his ways are much greater than ours and higher than ours. Pray to your heart's content for those things, always. The Bible says, keep on praying for the sick and for that job or that husband or that wife or that thing, right? Pray for that, but that's not what this is. This is when you are growing weary of doing what God wants you to do because you just feel like it's impossible, and yet you can trust what God says, what God has called you to do, what he says in his word, what he's promised you to do, that when you look around and you say, this looks ridiculously impossible, that you can trust the Lord, okay? And so, in Exodus 14, we get to that point where God's people have escaped Egypt, right? They were enslaved. God rescues them. Pharaoh finally lets them go. He's grieving his firstborn son. All of Egypt is in grief. And God's people, just imagine you're in that huge horde of people, right? As you imagined last week, if you were with us, that you were part of that household that were like, we got to put that spotless lamb's blood on the doorpost. Imagine you're with those people and you're... you're um, 
called to go, and, and you're going in the Red Sea, you can go around the Red Sea, head for the promised land. There's nobody yet chasing you because, you know, Pharaoh's still there, but Pharaoh's the mightiest king, the mightiest army in all the world, and so it makes perfect sense. Every bit of our wisdom would say, keep on going, right? You don't stop the rest. You don't stop for a water break. You're getting out of town while you can because you know how fickle Pharaoh is. You know, man, he's going to change his mind. Let's go, Moses. Get these people in, in gear. we got to get out of Dodge, right? And yet, in chapter 14, this is what happens. The Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back. What? And encamp in front of, you can say it, I won't, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, or whatever, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. So they knew those places were. So they already raced past, uh, you know, Baal Zephon, right? They're gone. Like, we don't, we don't want, we don't, the Red Sea, we are, we are gone. And so uh, imagine you're, you're part of the, the, the Hebrew people, and you're going, and then Moses says, hold up, everybody, hold up, hold up, hold up. The Lord says, we got to go back. And you're like, what, what, excuse me? What, go back where? To Egypt? Yeah. In fact, we're going to go back, and, and then we're going to get here where literally there's Egypt, and behind you is this huge body of water, the Red Sea. A huge body of water. And we're going to set up camp because the Lord said that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to pitch tents and build campfires and wait for Pharaoh to come? Like, what? You see why this is an object lesson? It's not necessary in our scheme, you know, our plans. It would not be necessary. But it is for the Lord. This is what the Lord said. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. He knows what the Pharaoh's going to say. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so, which is such a beautiful few words. Another life verse for you. They did so. Okay. That's what the Lord wants us to do. Doesn't make any sense to me. Feels like we should keep on going. Moses, you sure you heard right? You sure you didn't eat something bad, like some bad something? You know, like what's, what's, are you sure? And, and yet they did so. And they're going and they're going to camp here and they're going to be trapped between Pharaoh's armies and the Red Sea. And the Lord says, I am going to have you do this so I can make this object lesson before all of Egypt and before all of God's people. It's going to be mentioned 25 more times, preserved in his word, and then mentioned throughout the New Testament as such an example that he is the Lord. So the Egypt, they believed there was all kinds of gods. Pharaoh thought he was a god. Right? That was his whole idea of those plagues. Every one of those plagues destroyed one of their gods, saying, we believe in this god, we believe in that god. And the Lord just said, nope, nope, nope. And, and then right on to Pharaoh's own firstborn son. And now one last time he's going to let the whole world know for the generations all the way to 2021 20, here, right, that we know that he is the Lord. And especially right? Especially, this is faith. And faith will trust God's plan, even if it seems wrong. Faith will trust God's plan, even when it seems, seems wrong to us. Think about it. You're sitting there in front of the Red Sea. You're getting a fire going. You're setting up a tent. You're going, what are we doing? 
This doesn't make any sense at all. I know God has called us, but like maybe he's off his rocker. I mean, we don't know him real well. He's kind of this new God for us. Like, we're just getting to know him. Maybe he's not always right. We don't know. But this is hard to obey him. It's hard to obey him. It's hard to trust him and his word and his promise and what he's called you to do when, man, it it's like, seems like, you know what, God, just, for, just while you get some rest, because clearly maybe you need a nap, right? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to climb in the throne of my life and I'm going to make some decisions. Anyone ever been there? You know what, God, I trust you mostly, but this, this isn't working. So let me just kind of, Good. I'll just, I'll get on my throne, I'll make some decisions, and then, and then you can have it back, right? You can, you can have it back, but, but no, that's the temptation. It's when God has called me to do something and it looks impossible to say, I'm going to trust you anyway. So if there's something going on in your life right now where it's like, uh, I don't know, I know God's promised, I know he's called me to do this, I know he's called me to do this. I, I, I remember when... Um, there's a, a few people here, here tonight who will remember this too. In my early 20s, uh, Heather and I were just volunteer youth leaders with not a pastor, but it was at this church. And I was, God was growing me, and I was getting excited about uh, you know, teaching the teens and inspiring them to love Christ, and I just want to do whatever I could, right? And so I worked harder, maybe even harder than, than sermons, right, uh, now, and, 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 try, and trying this, the, telling these stories full of all these illustrations, right? And, and, and I remember... Um, back then, it was, it was Sunday night, uh, 6 o'clock. We were up in the gym shooting basketball hoops. I had this thing. I was so excited. I know God's called me to do this. I'm preparing this. And, and, and as we got closer and closer to 6, I realized there was nine teens there. And there was more youth leaders than there were youth, right? Um, maybe they needed to hear the message. I don't know. Uh, and, and, and yet, as I'm counting them, and we get to about like 6.02, and we're going to start, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm, I'm not going to give this talk. I work too hard. It's only nine. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to wait. To the, and it was, it, it actually, I get hit in the head with a basketball, but it was God hitting me in the head saying, I called you to teach that lesson tonight. I don't, what are you so worried about? Nine teens or who's there? What? I'm in charge of the results. It looks like it doesn't make sense to you. Did I call you to do it or not? You did. So will I be faithful? Will I be obedient? I remember when I first became uh, associate pastor here. And, man, I was so excited. I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to pay me to do ministry? told all new pastor friends I made, this is going to be great. They all look at me like, <laughs> you got a lot to learn, kid, that's for sure. And boy, did I. We had a rough time in this church. Not when I was the, the senior pastor. Some of you remember, um, there was a couple of years where I didn't even want to be here. It was so hard. During that time, how often did I say, God, I, you called me to this? You called me to this? Yes. One step at a time. Trust me. Are you trusting me or not? Get off your throne. Right? I've called you. That's all you need to worry about. I'm the Lord. And now, I don't know, what is it, 16, 17, 18 years later, here we are. Still saying half the time, really, God? This last year, just a little over a year ago, what were we saying? Are you kidding me with this? i got to preach to three people behind a camera on Easter. 
And I, how many times I'm like, Lord, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our church? What's going to happen? This can't be your plan. This can't be your will. Like the, the retreat that we were just on, got back today that Darren mentioned. Our elders were talking about all the things God has used you, this church, in this pandemic. Tom is a, a fire chief. He says he hears a lot now from the community leaders. Oh, yeah, your church did this or did that. Our schools are asking us for prayer because of ways we've served them during this, ways you've served them. We've seen over 20, like in the 20s, baptisms during a pandemic, right? During this time. We've seen so many new people that, that we've gotten to know, and it's like, no, we, we didn't want this, and boy, do we want it to be over. We're praying for that. But was God on the throne or not? Yet at that time, I was like, I don't know. I think I might need to make some, right? And get off your throne. Even when it's impossible or confusing or it's not working and you want to shrink back, you want to do something else, right? You want to kind of do your, your own plan. Like I, I, I've stood with families behind, beside a, a grave or, or in a hospital room. Where, man, you read the verse, you know, that, that God will do, uh, he will work it to your good for all those who, who love him. And you're thinking, really, God, this doesn't seem good, does it? Will you trust him? That's the Red Sea. Will you trust him when even though this makes no sense, why is this happening? You call me to obey. You call me to this ministry and there's nine people. You call me to this marriage and it's growing cold and I don't know what to do about it. You call, whatever it might be, and the question that God's always asking is, will you let me be on the throne because I will show you I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And so what happened, I'll skip a few verses if you're following along, is Pharaoh finally said, wait a minute, I need that slave labor. And I'm stronger than that God. And he chased after them literally with 600 chariots. Imagine the sight. That's like tanks for us. Like that is a, these are just slaves. They don't have any chariots. And 600 chariots, you know, and there you're in a tent like going, here we go. Here we go. And so uh, Exodus tells us when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Imagine this scene. You're there camped. You can smell the dust as the chariots get closer. You can hear the pounding hoofs. You can hear almost the nostrils of the, the horses and the squeaking of the wheels. And, the, and, and you know what's coming. The most powerful army on earth, and you're just a bunch of former, hopefully, slaves. Imagine the feeling, the fear. Is this really going to happen? we got nowhere to go. Could have been out of town. What are we going to do? And it just says that they, they, they just cry out to the Lord. They just cried out to the Lord. What a, those are some of the most beautiful and yet painful moments that we have in our lives, aren't they? When finally you've been trying to sit here, you've been trying to do it, and finally you got nothing and you just say, help God. help us. I know those aren't moments we long for. They're not moments I, in my, human, in my humanity, want for any of you, but they are some of the most beautiful moments you will ever have because you finally get off the throne and let him have it because he's the Lord and you're not, and you finally realize, I can't control this. 
help. Help in my grief. Help in my joblessness. Help in my, right? He might not give you the job, but he'll carry you through the joblessness, right? He might not give you that wife yet or that husband yet, but he'll carry you through the singleness. And he'll bless that if you trust him, but you need his help. You, you, you lift, they lifted up their eyes in that moment. It's like that moment when you, you're handed a, a, a pink slip, or you, can you, you wonder how you're going to pay the mortgage. And, 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 and you just, I don't know, do they do pink slips anymore? I don't know. But whatever, this the, the uh, equivalent now. And, and you realize, what am I going to do? Help. Help. Help, Lord. I've told you uh, this story many times when my mom died very suddenly a number of years ago. And after, you know, talking to my dad and my brother and sister and wife and kids and all of that. It was later at night and I was in the shower and I finally just got a chance to say help. Help. That's all I could pray. I'd never been through anything like that. (laughs) Right? And it was so sudden and so extreme. How do I trust God through this? How do I trust God through this? Look, they looked to their eyes. They looked with their eyes to God and they just cried out to him. But this is what they say. They're not perfect (laughs) by any stretch. Not a good time for sarcasm. Watch. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? In other words, what? Graveyards are full in Egypt, so we came out here and then camped in front of the Red Sea, Moses? They don't yell at God, but poor Moses. Don't shoot the messenger. God's the one that said this, right? But they are like, this. we are in deep, deep trouble. Then verse 12, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You see, the temptation for every one of us, always this is the temptation, is when you are trying to trust the Lord and then it looks impossible, you start to look back back at your old life, even though you know it was a wreck, it didn't work, but you're like, at least I know that. Let's go back to Egypt, right? Because this is no better, and you want to give up, and you want to shrink back. Now you know why the Hebrews writer was using this as an example. That's what that church was doing. That's what we're inclined to do when we were like, God, you told me to trust you in this. This isn't working. I'm just going to go back. How many uh, people, especially young people, Often young women, but it's sometimes men too, where I see them, they, they come out of a lifestyle of, of where they were depending on a man or a woman, a relationship. It breaks up and they come to church and they start to meet a God who loves them unconditionally in Christ. And you see them begin to change, right? And they hit some adversity and all of a sudden they disappear and you find out later they're back to another relationship that they're trying to get satisfaction in and it never works. They go back, back to Egypt back to the party lifestyle or, or back to just seeking money or back to alcohol or drugs or back to whatever it is. It's such a temptation for us to do that. That's where they're at now. Why? Why are we doing this, Moses? And so Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians, Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. Imagine that. Me and Moses standing up. There's 600 chariots 
they're coming against a bunch of slaves who are just going, ugh, we're going to die. And he's like, they're about to be conquered. That's faith. That is faith. Why? In Moses? In Moses' staff? No, no. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. It's a nice way of saying, shut up and let the Lord do it. Let the Lord do it. Stop complaining. We get in the way sometimes. Well, it's not going to work. Shh, right? What's your favorite verse? Like, be still and know that I am God. Right? Be still and know that I am God. So the idea here is that God's on the throne. He's the Lord. You don't actually have to do anything, do you? Yes, you do. You're not going to fight the army. You're not going to part the Red Sea. You're not going to do that. But there is something that Moses said they need to do. The first, right, is to not be afraid and to stand firm. Right? He said, I'll turn it back for you. Fear not, stand firm. Stand firm. Don't run back to Egypt. Don't shrink back. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm standing firm. That is the greatest faith you can have. I will stand firm in the midst of this and trust him in faith. I won't shrink back. I won't be afraid. Right? It's, it's, uh, um, it, 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 it's this, this, I have this wall of whatever it is that seems impossible, and I can go back to that thing and get back on the throne of my life. No, by faith I'll shh, be quiet, stand firm, for the Lord will fight for me. The Lord will fight for you. And so the, 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 the point of faith in this section that I want us to see is that faith will be content to wait for the Lord to fight. Content to wait? Did you hear what I just said? Content to wait? Come on. This is 2021. We don't wait for anything. And I can prove it to you. If you don't do it right now, but if it's any point today, you're like, you know what, I got to check that YouTube video out. And you pull out your, your phone and you hit play and you get the spinny signal. For four and a half seconds, what do you do? It's not even worth it. You kidding me? Four and a half seconds of my life waiting for that video. That's us. Pretty much all of us. Now, uh, it, I, you know, what was it like 20 years ago where we were like, this is amazing. Nobody can talk on the phone, but I can plug this thing in whatever that sound is, right? AOL. And all of a sudden, you go and do something. Finally, you come back. Oh, you click on a website. It takes forever. You don't care. This is amazing, right? How many, like 50, like 10 years before that, if you wanted to, to, to know what that video was going to teach you, you had to go to your parents' house, climb down to their basement, dust off the Encyclopedia Britannica, open it up, and find what you're looking for. And yet today, four and a half seconds... Are you kidding me? What, what could I have done with that four and a half second? Waiting is not what we do anymore. In fact, if you really notice it, how satanic it is, you don't want to wait. You can do it. You could get it. You can have that gratification right now if you fill in the blank. But the Lord is always teaching us, wait 
for me. It's not a general waiting. It's not just a, a, a meaningless waiting. It is a waiting steadfast for the Lord. And that's hard to do. It's fun to say in a sermon. It's hard to do. Hard for me. It's hard for you to wait on the Lord. We don't wait and sin while we wait. We wait steadfast for him. He's going to do it. He's going to fight. I don't know when. I don't know how. He's going to do it. All right, what's the, the, I, I, Isaiah put it this way. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The, those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. There's never going to be a time, I feel so confident promising you this, there's never going to be a time, no matter what you face, if you wait for the Lord, your strength will not be renewed. It will take time sometimes. And that grief or in that loss or in that confusion or that pain or sickness, it's hard. But you wait for him. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't try to take solace in your old self, your old life. Wait for the Lord. It's hard to wait in your joblessness, your childlessness. It's hard to wait when your kids don't make decisions you like. Parents, huh? Sometimes we don't care about the throne of our life, but write the names of your kid, and you want to sit right there, don't you? And sometimes I find myself getting angry at my kids, like, I can't believe you did that. And all any of you ever have to do is, Jamie, remember when you were that age? <gasps> They're so much better than I am <laughs> at that age, right? That doesn't mean I shouldn't guide them and I should just let them go. Of course not. But i got to wait on the Lord in their life. The Lord is working in their life. But it's hard as a parent. I want to take control. I want to take control. But the Lord is the one who's going to do it, who's going to fight that battle, who's going to bring them through that. And... It's even harder to not fear, but I promise you, the more you're steadfast and wait on the Lord, the less you will be afraid. You'll still be concerned. You'll still get some of that stress. You're human, but the fear will begin to dissipate because you know what? The fear comes when you think you're on that throne because you know, man, you can barely tie your shoes without a cup of coffee, and you're going to run your life, right? You're going to run the world and your kids and all that. That's why you're terrified because you know. You can put the smile on, I'm doing great. And you know it's never going to work. But when you let the Lord do it and say, Lord, help, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep walking one step at a time. But I'm going to wait for you. The fear will begin to go away. The fear will begin to dissipate. And so what happened from there, I'll skip a few verses, plus you, you've at least probably seen the movie, right? They, the, the, the Lord has Moses, he, he, uh, um, he, he throws a staff or he hits a staff, right? And the, the Red Sea parts and on dry ground, the whole horde of them go through. Whole horde of them go through. And so they get all the way to the other side. They all get safe and this is what happens. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So the Egyptians have followed them. Well, let's go, right? Now, there's a big difference. The Hebrew people are trusting in the Lord. The Egyptians are trusting in themselves. The Hebrew people are saved. The Egyptians are judged, and they're swallowed up in death. 
It's a picture of not knowing Jesus Christ. When you walk on dry land, you know the salvation that comes from Christ. If you put your trust in yourself, you're swallowed up in God's judgment. This has always been the picture of faith. So it says that uh, the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. That's judgment. It says that the waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now, tune in here because this is the end of the story. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw that the Egyptians dead on the seashore. A, that's a sobering sight. Sobering sight. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, meaning reverence. He is the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The picture the Hebrews writer wants us to see is that, is that they had faith And the Egyptians had judgment. Faith that he is the Lord. And the whole point is that the Lord is worthy of our faith. It's the whole object lesson. It's it's not just then and there, because God didn't need to do that. He'd already done a lot of plagues, all right? That generation saw, but he wanted to remind them, and he wanted Pharaoh, you don't chase them down anymore, right? Don't do it anymore. I am the Lord. And then it's people, and they go. Now, they're going to mess up, but the story is going to be told to their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids all throughout when they're in the promised land and they're under King David and beyond that through all, all of time and history, all the way to, through Jesus' day and into the first century and all the way till today that he is the Lord and he's worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our faith. He's worthy for you to trust him. Like, I'm not up here saying, hey, guys, you need to get off the throne and you need to let Jamie get on here. I'll control your life. If I ever say that, smack me in the face. Punch me in the throat, whatever you got to do. Or just be nice and run away and never come back. Because I would be worse than you at running your life. Right? Too many leaders will do that. Politicians will do that. Pastors will do that. I will tell you what to do. I, I, trust me. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you I have trouble enough with my own life. I need the Lord to be on my throne. What I'm in, just telling you is he is the Lord. He is the Lord. Whatever you're facing now, or things are good right now, around the corner, you know what it is. <laughs> And sometimes it's, you know, we have the big examples and the big uh, difficulties we'll bring out. For a lot of us, it's the day-to-day dry land. I'm going to trust you again today. I wake up and I'm dealing with whatever I'm dealing with. I'm going to trust you today. Your promises, they're, they're new every morning, right? They're, your, your mercy's new every morning. Your grace is new every morning. Your love is refreshed every morning. I'm trusting you, trusting you. I'm trusting you. And you're going to hit those big things where it seems impossible. Your back is against the Red Sea. What are you going to do? 
Is he worthy of the throne of your life or not? He is. He is worthy. That's why we sing that. He is worthy. He is worthy. And so um, I'm going to invite our worship team up. And I'm just to ask you, if you can, just to close your eyes with me. Father, as I have each person here just ask a question or two of you, I I pray you'd, you'd settle our minds and hearts and you'd reveal things, even if they're hard things to us, so we can we can trust you in them. I ask this in Jesus' name. As you sit there, ask the Lord to reveal to you what are areas of your life you're not trusting him doesn't even really matter why it might be because you're scared or it seems impossible or it's confusing or you're afraid or you're frustrated or if you're just going to be fully honest this has happened to me many times you think you have the better answer your way is better if only I was the Lord of the world I would do this ask the Lord what, what, what is the area what are the areas that you're not trusting him Just confess to him, Lord. Lord, I want to get off the throne of my life. In Jesus' name, I want you, you to be there. I want to stand firm in this. Trust you in this. Not be afraid because you got this. Ask the Lord for the strength. did this as an object lesson. He told them to turn back, camp in front of the Red Sea so that generations right till today, we could hear this tonight, that he is the Lord who did that. What is so hard in my life and yours that he can't handle, he can't do? It's hard because we can't see you, Lord, sometimes. We, 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 can, we can see flesh and blood, but Lord, increase our faith. Help our faith. Help each one of us, whatever we're going through, or will, prepare us. We know life will bring difficulties around the corner or hardships or stresses. Lord, let us put our stake in the ground when those things happen and say, I will trust the Lord. Father, if there's anyone here who's who's starting to shrink back and maybe they're going back to their Egypt, whatever they take solace in, let them just repent of that, turn away from that and trust you. Oh, you get the glory of our lives. And Lord, let us together as a church, because this was a group of people who together trusted you. May we be like that, even though we're weary and sarcastic at times and we screw up too, but let us be as they were, to do as you say together and that you might use us mightily in your name for this time and this place so that others might know your grace, your love, your mercy, your salvation, your power. Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing that new song together. It's a perfect song for what we talked about tonight.